Rutgers ScoutCast 84 has arrived, and it's an exciting week this week. Welcome to the show. Thanks to everyone for hitting that download button, clicking play, choosing to stream on Scarlet Report, whatever it is you do to listen to the Rutgers ScoutCast. We here appreciate it. I'm your host, Sam Hellman, and I'll be joined by two people later in the show that hopefully make this a pretty interesting listen for your Friday commute, your Thursday night commute, for your pregame Saturday listening, whatever you choose to do with the episode, that's up to you. But hopefully you enjoy hearing from a couple people. As the title of the episode indicates, Artur Sikowski is back on the show this week. He's been a common discussion piece on the show. He was a guest back when he transferred to IMG. And now that he is re now that he is committed to Rutgers, flipping from Miami, the four star quarterback from IMG Academy, originally from Old Bridge, New Jersey. Let's have him back on the show, you know? Why not? We tried to work this out a little bit earlier at, uh, when Sikowski committed, but he's very busy. He, he gets that he is one of the faces of this recruiting class and maybe of the program right now, so he does everything he can to accommodate everyone with interviews, and that is while balancing his football schedule. We actually spoke for this interview. He was on his way to... New Jersey, traveling home for the Thanksgiving weekend, so any minor audio issues, that's why he was traveling, and I'm in the middle of my work week recording it, but it was great of Artur Sikowski to stop by the show. Hopefully you enjoy that conversation, which is coming in just a second. After we hear from Artur Sikowski, we transition into our weekly news conversation with National Recruiting Analyst Brian Doan. A lot of basketball talk, a lot of football talk this week and a fun mailbag all that stuff with brian not sure what we're going to do next week for the show not sure if we'll have one it probably depends on the kind of access at Rutgers football practice next week going into senior day and a couple other things including if i actually want to try and enjoy my thanksgiving day for once we'll see how it goes but whether it's next week or in two weeks we're got some good guests planned and a lot of exciting stuff heading into the first early signing period, which is, by my count, about, what, 34 days away? Almost a month until the first signing period, which, you know what? We're going to get a glimpse of that right now in our conversation with Artur Sikowski. All right, it's my pleasure now to welcome Rutgers quarterback commit out of IMG Academy, Artur Sikowski, to the show. Art, how are you doing? You excited for the holidays? Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. So it's been a couple weeks now since you decided to take your talents to Rutgers. How are you enjoying the feedback? Because it seems like everyone back home is really pumped about your decision. Yeah, you know, it's been going great. You know, I'm really excited you know, to get this thing rolling. You know, you know when, uh, when January comes, you know, get on campus and start working hard. What, what has been the biggest difference since you committed to Rutgers? Or are you... Is it just trying to recruit? Is it just trying to make sure you're ready for January when you come in and play? Like, what's been different for you? Uh, nothing. Nothing's changed. You know, my my mindset's the same. You know, uh, you know, just work hard every day. Good things happen to people who work hard. So I mean, obviously, recruit. You know, that's that's one thing. You know, try to get guys to come in. And, you know, build a program. What What is it that you see at Rutgers right now that you believe in the turnaround? Because a lot of people are not buying in. And deciding to leave New Jersey, whereas you're deciding to come back to New Jersey. I just have faith in the program, and I see, you know, if you look at 
look when first Coach Ash got there, and you know, a guy that's been there, and I've, I've seen it, I've been to Rutgers the worst times, and you can just tell. I mean, look at every single game. They've been in every single game this year besides Ohio State, so that's improvement compared to the first year when they were losing. I remember that when they lost to Michigan 72-0. You didn't see that happen this year. They fought, and they fought, and they just, they're just missing some pieces, and I believe if those pieces come together, you know, it could be a great program, you know. You know, every, every, everything's going good as far as guys are getting bigger, guys are getting stronger. People are starting to believe, and once people start to believe, I mean, good things happen. I uh, I look at their offense, and you know, you read the stats, and they're not good for quarterbacks. But when you watch the film, it kind of tells a different story. What do you see from uh, from Coach Kill's scheme, and how you can fit into that? Uh, Coach Coach Kill's scheme is very multiple. Where he get, he might get the, he gets the quarterbacks under center, he gets them in 22, 21 personnel with two tight ends and a fullback. And also, at times he gets them spread out, you know, four wide. You know, they run the read option, they run the zone read. So I think it's very multiple. And you know, football is football. So I think I'll fit in. I'll just have to learn the system and adapt, and it'll be a, it'll be a good transition. A lot of people look at you and they expect you to play right away. You're the the four star quarterback from Jersey. Everyone's excited about you, but. You have to go in there knowing that you have to beat out some really good quarterbacks at the same time. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, look at the guys they got. You got uh, John. You got Gio, who's a star last year. You got – I know they got a, they a transfer from Western Kentucky, and you got a kid coming in with me, Jalen Chapman. So nothing's handed to me. I know that. You know, I know that nothing's going to be handed to me. Just like when I came to IMG, it was the same thing. So I'm used to competing. I'm excited. You know, you can't really focus on that. you got to just focus on getting better every single day. It's funny you mentioned Jalen Chapman, and he's he's been the leader at quarterback as well for Rutgers. Are are you guys close, or have you guys talked much? I haven't talked much, but I know uh, I know Jalen through friends. You know, a lot of guys. He's from he's from uh, Inglewood, California, They're from the LA area. So I know a lot of guys on my team that are from that area that know Jalen. So you know, very soon, you know, we we'll start talking and stuff like that. How about other Rutgers commits or young guys in the program? Who who are you close with, or who do you find yourself talking to? Uh, I, I talked to Ray Quan a couple of times. Jared Paul, I know Jared Paul through, through friends. I know he's at Primus. I played at ASG with them. Christian from Staten Island. I played at seven on seven with him with my, my freshman year. So I know a couple of guys that are committed. But I know a lot of guys on the team right now, like KJ and Tim uh, Barrow, that I'm, you know Elijah Vaughn that I played with or played against. So you know I'm very familiar with the people in that locker room. How do you feel about the uh, the wide receivers that you're going to be throwing the ball to? Guys like Bo Melton or guys like Shameen Jones or even the commits in the class right now? I mean, it's huge that those guys, you know, especially those three freshmen that are playing right now, that's huge that they're playing as true freshmen because that only, you know, that only makes you better in the future because the only way you learn is from living. So you live from learning. You you learn from living. So they're the living the moment and they're playing you know substantial minutes and those are huge for a freshman so i mean that's just crucial and that's huge for them because they to learn so much and obviously the kids that are coming in in the 2018 class they're big receivers and i just can't wait to get on campus and start working out with them uh it, it feels like forever ago when Rutgers offered you at that uh, at that camp but it was the first time i met you and i remember how excited you were at the time what what do you remember about that Rutgers Rutgers camp and getting the offer and when you really started thinking about playing at Rutgers for the first time? It was a dream coming through. I saw him in the day. It was June 5th, uh, 2015. I mean, it's crazy to think about how it seems so long ago, but it was only about two years ago when I first got that first offer. And nothing's changed, you know. It's always been the same excitement around the program. Well, obviously, you know, a lot of ups and downs. But, you know, as a kid, I, you know, I say it a lot. I've gone, I went to the games as a kid. I know, a lot of, I know a lot of people at the university. A lot of my best friends, they go to that university. You know, uh, my coach's uh, daughter's a cheerleader there. So, I mean, I'm 
you know, very close people around the university, just something I want to do for a long time. When you decided to go to IMG, you told me that, you, you know, very proud of Old Bridge and you still want to represent Old Bridge in your town and your high school on a big stage to now do that in New Jersey when you're 20 miles away from Old Bridge. How cool is that for you? It's awesome. I don't think it's even 20 miles. It's right down the road. It's about 10 minutes, 15 minutes. So I mean, it's, it's a dream come true. You know, I got a lot of pride. For, I have a lot of pride in the state of New Jersey. And I think, you know, being down here at IMG, you know, just people from Jersey are just different. We're just, you know, we're, we're hard blue collar people that, you know, we grind and we're tough and we're, you know, we don't back down to anything. You know, when you, if you can keep, and that's just, that's just the average New Jersey person. I mean, you look at it and I mean, if you can keep those type of kids in state and, you know, that's, that's just something I want to represent. I want to represent something bigger than myself. And that's, that's how I feel I can do that. How many jokes about New Jersey do you get from your teammates now? Oh, it's, 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 un, it's unheard of. It's so many that you can't even, can't even count. I mean, every single, you know, oh, it's the Rutgers commit. Oh, Jersey, like just my accent and everything like that. You know, we're loud. You know, Coach Miller, he was the, he was the tight ends, he was the special teams coordinator at Rutgers. Coach Shannon was there. He's my, he's the tight ends coach, special teams coach at IMG. Jay Butler, who was the strength coach at Rutgers when Coach Shannon was there. He's my strength coach now. So everyone always is making fun of us three for our accents and how loud we are and how much, you know, pride we have in our state. That was the next thing I was going to ask. What's it like working with Coach Jay Butler? Because if you're a longtime Rutgers fan, you remember him with what he did with Coach Chiano. Oh, he, he's getting, he's getting, he's getting me, he's getting me ready. I mean, he's really getting me ready. He, he, he does, he does not play around. He gets you lifting weight, and he gets you lifting a lot of weight fast. I mean, you know, he's smart. He knows what he's doing. You know, he gets everyone to buy into the process. And it's great to have him. You know, I can talk to him about anything about as far as recruiting, New Jersey, Rutgers, strength, conditioning. So those are the point where I was working out with him four times a week and still are. You know, it's, it's awesome. Where do you think you've grown the most at IMG? Because you've learned what it's like to compete for playing time. You're, you're learning what it's like to be in a college kind of program. What, what, what have you learned the most when you're at IMG? I learned a lot. I mean, this place is not for everyone. It's hard. It's hard being away from your family at a young age. And it's not... It's not high school. So you sacrifice a lot being here. And once you realize that, you, you got to make the most of it. What I've learned the most is how to handle myself uh, through ups and downs, adverse times, how to, how to actually read how to read a playbook, how to learn a playbook, how to understand protections, how to understand concepts, how to deal with people on and off the field. You know, you got you know, being a quarterback, you got to, you got to be a tough guy. Sometimes you can't be any or everyone's friends. You know, everyone's asking for football. But like, no, nah, man, when it's your time, it's your time. So you got to have that uh, tough love sometimes. I just overall as a person, because, you know, you, you learn a lot about yourself when adversity hits and, you know, being away from home, especially, and, you, you know, just learning and growing up as a man. We are, once again, we're joined by here with Artur Sikowski, four-star Rutgers quarterback commit. Wrapping up here, Art, I like to ask the same couple questions to everyone that joins us on this show. So when you think about Rutgers, who's your favorite Rutgers athlete, whether it's growing up or now? Do you have an athlete that is your favorite? I mean, I, as a kid, I would watch Gary Nova. I remember watching Gary Nova. He started as a true freshman. You know, that was the flood. It was sort of like the flood era. So I remember watching him as a quarterback. Also, Mike Teal. I remember when Chiano was there in 06 when they played Louisville. I remember watching that game on TV and how crazy the atmosphere was. So probably those two guys just because they played quarterback. When you, uh, when you think about your time at Rutgers that you've spent, what's your favorite memory? When they upset Michigan, I, mean, I was I was a fan going to that game. My, my friends and when they stormed the field, that was crazy. That was a, that was a cool game. I remember that was a fun time. Did you get to storm the field? Yeah, well, uh, it was yes and no. You know, I hopped on and hopped back off. I was, I was a little, I 
because he was like 24 when I was a little kid, so I mean, I don't want to get trampled. <laughs> Probably smart. All right, last thing. Where is, uh, where's your favorite place to eat at Rutgers? Um, do you have a favorite restaurant yet? The fat, the fat sandwich place. I mean, that's one thing. That place is awesome. That when you get those fat, I don't know what it's called. It's called fat, fat, fat are you or something like that. But those fat sandwiches, oh my god, they're amazing. Not good for you, but I love them. You know, Rutgers has a crispy pizza now. They have a crispy pizza. We have it. We actually have one of those in Old Bridge. So I mean, yeah. So I definitely got to stop by that. Everyone I know from Old Bridge keeps telling me about it. I haven't tried it yet. Is it the same owner? It's the same owner. They have it over at the yard on College Ave. Okay, so I definitely got to check that out. All right, all right. Well, we appreciate your time, and I know people are excited to see you sign in December. Thank you. I appreciate it. It means a lot. All right. Thanks, Art. All right, fine. If you want to cut this, <laughs> if you want to cut our Jarrett Paul discussion. We're talking hoops. All right. Do you usually just put it in order that we talk, or do you chop it up? Depends. What are you doing with this? Uh, we'll see. All right. We'll see. I do sometimes leave the outtakes in. Okay. So, get your curse words out of the way now. All right, welcome to... <coughs> Go ahead. This one's definitely making the outtakes. <laughs> welcome to Rutgers ScoutCast 84. We'll call this the Randy Moss episode. Uh, joined now by Brian Doan. Who Why can't it be the Lumber episode? Lumber. That would help with your sponsorship. Lumberg? No, no, not Goldberg, not Lumberg, Lumber, 84 Lumber. Uh, so we're going to start off, Brian, you seem really fired up right now about Rutgers basketball. 3-0 and start, technically, you could pretend it's 4-0 and if you want to count that St. John's game as real, I don't. So 3-0 and start for Rutgers basketball for uh, Tuesday night beating the former fighting Gary Waters is, is in a blowout. Was he stuck in a snowstorm? <laughs> he might have been. I think he's, I don't know if it's snowing in Florida these days. But he, uh, big win. Climate change. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. So the thing with Gary Waters, he's not there anymore, and what's left is not very good. Kind of like when he left like, Rutgers. <laughs> Put him boom. That's, yeah. what, that's where I was going with it. I'll tell you what, though. Um, I'm sure the excitement will subside for people. I think it already has for okay. a lot of people. Yeah, based on the student section for the Cleveland State game. But, uh, you know, I was talking to one of our colleagues, I'm not going to mention who, and I'm talking about maybe going to the game on Black Friday, 1 p.m. It's my yeah. wife's birthday. What better chance? You know, what better way for me to tell her I love her after 20-something years of marriage? I'm thinking they're playing East Carolina. What a great matchup. We know somebody um, who knows East Carolina pretty well. I'm not going to get into that. But the point Was is... Philip Nelson? Uh, <laughs> I was thinking of somebody else. Uh, anyway. I watched the games. I was able to watch online. I didn't watch CCNY because whatever. But I watched the last two games, and it was interesting to watch how much length Rutgers has, how much size they have. They have a guy that actually looks like a center in the Big Ten, and I get they're young, and Corey Sanders has his moments of where, okay, I haven't driven to the basket, so I need to get a shot up because it's like one of those, uh, you know, he, he needs the whatever it is every X number of minutes where he has to have that selfish moment. But Geo Baker, who is going to be a fun kid to watch, and, and for the people that didn't watch it, and, and you watch about what coaching is like, the alley-oop pass from Geo Baker to Corey Sanders, or vice versa, whichever it was, the screen set right by the free throw line to allow that to happen, and the understanding that that play was going to take place, 
that's why I'm at least excited to watch because they have a clue. They're working hard. And, yeah, the defensive effort wasn't great against Central Connecticut State. But if I played you in one-on-one, Sam, my defensive effort probably wouldn't be good against you because I know I'd crush you. And so for me, watching it, it, it was fun to watch. And I loved the, the length. And, man, your guy hitting those threes to start the second half, it was fun to watch. Who's my guy? Issa Chom. Yeah, Issa is very improved. If only he was a little bit more improved. Are you impressed that I knew it? It was almost like you rehearsed it. <laughs> almost. Almost. So here's the thing with Issa is you're talking about a kid that was 175 pounds coming over from the Canaries and originally from Dakar, Senegal. That, I mean, he didn't know how to eat right. He didn't, he'd never lived in America. All this stuff. He didn't really know a lot of his teammates. And now he's got a year of comfort here. He's got coaches that he trusts. He has more teammates that have now come over from the same program. So he's got more friends. He's gained 12 pounds of all muscle. He's 6'10". He's doing all the things right now that, you know, again, we're still talking about a sophomore that's probably going to average eight points and, you know, four rebounds a game this year. But there's a reason that this might have even been on the podcast last year, but I talked to a couple NBA scouts before Peichel's first game, and they had all told me Issa's the one to watch. Chom's the one to watch, because if he grows into his body... You never said that, or else I wasn't listening. Of course not. He grows into his body a little bit. He's already 6'10". He's got a good-looking jumper. You never know. That's what the league's all about now, and that's who scouts were looking at as far as the young guys on this team. Yeah, and I get that because of the size, and you know, you look at that dude just, just shooting you know, the the jumper from the corner, and he's got a nice stroke. It's really fluid. But I, I was impressed just watching the overall effort, and I know there was um, a topic on the board, and it's great to see on the board people talking about basketball and shit starters being with two minutes. And the way the game flowed, you would have to call timeout and pull them out. But watching some of those guys play hard when the game was over and you knew it was over, man, that that's the stuff. And, look, I'm not saying he's Jim Calhoun or Ben Hallen or blah, blah, blah. That's what they do when they blow. I, I'll never forget Jim Calhoun. The first per- place I heard it was, we play to the possession, not the scoreboard. And the idea was, you play hard regardless of the score. And they played hard. I mean, hard against Cleveland State. And the one thing I'm curious, Sam, and, and you'll probably know this a little bit more than me because you're at practice and you you see it, and you're probably of the guys that cover the team. I would say you're see the most. You're there the most. Yeah, and the thing I'm wondering is, you know, what what hurt this team last year in winning a couple more games was not being able to make a shot when they needed to make a shot, and I don't mean in the last two minutes of a game. I mean, with eight minutes left, can you stem their the other team's run? I get the sense they they have a few more guys who may be able to make a shot this year. They have they have guys that can shoot, and the thing that I like about Pykele, and this is also Brandon Knight coaching up the guards, is. We know which players can shoot, so when you're open, shoot. Like, it, you're going to have cold streaks. You're going to... Where did Geo Baker fit in that? <laughs> well, G- Geo Baker, again, if you read it on the site, Brandon Knight said, look, we know you can shoot, so shoot. Because he started off 0 for 7 in his career shooting threes, and I think now he's 3 for 10 or something. You know, like, people have streaks. Sometimes they're cold, but if you know a guy can shoot, you give them a green light like that. Or if it's a guy like... Suf Mensa or you know Corey Sanders to a degree if if shooting isn't what you like for him to do 
then you don't want them to have that same green light. There's a reason that Suf Mensa is very, very, very pass first as a guard. It's because he can't shoot. So instead of missing shots, he's looking to get his teammates involved. They didn't bring him in to score points. They brought in other guys to score points. So I like that they're being realistic with their expectations of guys. I, I don't like the maybe the green light that some of their fours and fives have at taking the long shots. Deshaun Freeman seems to be falling under the Kadeem Jack sickness of thinking you're a three-point shooter just because you're a senior looking at going pro. Uh, same with Candido Saw, but for the most part, they have guys that can score. It's just a matter of if they're going to have any consistency when you're talking about real defenses. If, if Freeman's taking threes, no bueno. But if he's a kid who can take like the foul line jumper, elbow, a little yeah. bit, you know, 14, 16 footer, that frees up so much more that he can do within an offense and it'll pull the big man out to where maybe then he can drive. I, I do think that he's really interested in scoring. And there were, if I had to look at one guy who forced plays in that game against Cleveland State, it was Freeman. Um, some of those plays were just ridiculous, including when he got triple teamed and then fell down and then blamed somebody else that he should have been fouled. Um, but overall, I thought it's fun to sit here and, and talk about basketball maybe being relevant, almost being relevant. Now you just need more fans to show up and kind of support them a little bit more. I Mar marketing. I love the – it's the same thing with the media. I love the lack of interest that everyone else has in covering the team because it works for me. I mean, they just had their best signing day in probably since Mike Rice's first recruiting class with all those – kids that didn't necessarily pan out but were highly rated or none of which stayed for the most part <laughs> yeah miles mack and malik kone out of the seven that they signed so the thing that that i like is again they just had their best recruiting class in a long time they had kids that were known on the national level and then uh the only place to read about them apparently is with us no one else cared to cover it so that works for me but i get it with you know marketing and trying to get more fan support and all that stuff All right, transitioning from one winning program into a team that has had some wins and losses recently, uh, that is Rutgers football. Since the bye week, Rutgers is 3-2 and two hmm. with losses to Michigan and Penn State. It's not so bad. Uh, Rutgers had a pretty good first quarter against Penn State, and then Penn State realized that Rutgers can't throw the football. Uh, overall, though, I, I found the Penn State game to be encouraging despite the final score, and I think that I do think Rutgers has not only a shot to beat Indiana despite being an underdog, but a bowl game, I mean, it, I'm not betting on it happening, but there's crazier thoughts. There are crazier thoughts. We'll start off with what you see out of the Penn State game, and what you see is Penn State decided there is no way that they're going to run the ball for 200 yards on us. Let the quarterback beat you. They're not capable. Of, that's not capable of happening. I mean, I love... Jerry Kill taking the blame for Geo's play. That's kind of like when I grabbed my kid's lacrosse equipment out of the trunk one day and his helmet fell out because he left the bag unzipped and he started complaining to me that it was my fault and I secretly unzipped his bag when he wasn't watching for the helmet to fall out. Obviously, it had nothing to do with me, but if I, he wants it to blame me, so be it. I get the same kind of sense with, with Jerry Kill. I mean, yeah, it's what you do as a coach. Yeah, and, and it's good. And it's, it, you know, I, I talk to quarterbacks and players all the time, you know, just when you're at games and prospects. And 
you throw the ball to a receiver, it hits him in the hands right where it's supposed to be, and the receiver drops it. As a quarterback, you say to him, hey, my bad. I'll make a better throw next time. You put the pressure on you, and that's what a good coach does. He doesn't, you know, he's not going to start shifting it all over the place. Um, and he wants to, you know, keep the kid's confidence high and, and all that stuff, say the right stuff. Moving into the bowl situation, it was a long time ago, Sam, that you and I said at five and seven, they don't have a chance to make a bowl. Um, Thanks, Kyle. Yeah, I mean, and, and it, this is the best way I can put it. Even when Rutgers was terrible in Shiano's early years, and they were awful, you always got that spring release of, hey, Rutgers is top five APR. Rutgers is here in the APR. Rutgers is here in the APR. They rank here among public schools. They rank here among, you know, they weren't calling it Power Five or BCS schools at the time. And so you knew they were always going to be high on that list. And you and I spoke probably a month ago on this podcast on the message boards and said hey man five and seven they're not getting to a bowl because their apr is horrific it's not good it's terrible and i mean there you go and and so if rutgers can figure out a way to win one more game and get to five and seven just think of the destruction of the apr costing your program another month of practice how much better would these freshmen be with another month of practice all you would need is one more win to get to that bowl game at five and seven, if even if you're horrific on the field, you actually had some kind of discipline in your program and kept your APR up. Now, that said, that we are two weeks left in the season talking about Rutgers still having a chance for a bowl game is miraculous. It's absolutely miraculous. You go to Indiana, which is a winnable game. Indiana does not do a great job stopping the run. You figure they're going to try to run the ball like crazy. We'll see what Indiana can do offensively. I don't know what motivation Indiana's going to have for this game. Um, They just got their win. They got their first Big Ten win. So do they say, okay, look, we got off to Schneid. We we got our first Big Ten win, and we relax. Does it fuel the hunger and make them play harder and give them more confidence? I I, I don't know. Probably won't know that stuff until about 12-15, 12-20. But what I do know is if Rutgers can figure out a way to win – you come back into Rutgers Stadium and you play Michigan State on national TV and announcers get to talk for three hours about how, yes, Rutgers may lose that game, but, geez, look at the job Chris Ash has done from two wins and a program in disarray to four Big Ten wins because you have to beat Indiana, you get to four, and it would be great for him. Overall, successful season for me, yes, you win one of these next two games, you surpass what those expectations are, and you go into that last game with a bowl bid on the line. I mean, I think every everybody on Scarlet Report would have signed up for that starting the season. Uh, maybe. Uh, <clears throat> Except if... I don't think this year there was any lunacy with anybody picking eight and four, but I can't... I, from going back, I can't remember too many people thinking Rutgers would even win six games. Right. I mean, the thing that... Going back to the APR, the numbers and stuff, we broke it down on the site so you can go read it. We're not here to list numbers, but it's not great, and it's about multi-year APR where, thankfully for Rutgers, they've had some good years before and after uh, a certain coach was here. Um, I'm not a big believer in five-win teams going to bowl games anyway. I don't care. I think it, I think there's too many bowl games as it is. 
I agree with that. But but you're right. You do if you don't make it, you miss out on the developmental opportunity. And we talked about marketing. How about the marketing opportunity of these bowl practices that Rutgers would would have had or could have had of, hey, here's here. Let's try it out. Bless on Austin. Talk, talk about maybe coming back for a senior year if that's what Bless decides to do. Or let's trot out these guys that we have redshirted that we're really excited about. Like, Let's open a practice. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> let's go to the Pinstripe Bowl, stay in New York City, but practice at Rutgers, and then bus back to New York for interviews every day for a week, like we did to Sam a couple years ago. Um, so there, there's a... So I guess my point is the fact that I haven't booked my Christmas plans yet, good job by Rutgers. I don't care if they lose out. I don't care if Indiana smokes them and Michigan State blows them out of the water. It's still a successful season. Three Big Ten wins. You're continuing to clean up the program and getting people out that should not be there, and you're continuing to develop players. Now it's all, instead of, oh, what's, what's Rutgers going to do at these 15 starting positions? Their linebackers are terrible. Can they ever get a sack? Like, these were the questions we were talking about a year ago. Now it's pretty much all about, are they going to get the, the quarterback situation figured out? Which we've never talked about. No, no, but... Uh, I, I agree. I can't wait for the Team Chapman, Team Sikowski debate that will encompass us the next eight months. What, are you kidding me? It's not going to be between Sitkowski and Chapman. It's going to be, we need Geo back, or we need, just name some walk-on who I don't know. Tom Flacco. Flacco should play. I uh, I guarantee you we're going to get Flacco should play all spring. Guarantee it. Hey, the one thing, though, I'll say is, like, when you when you talk about the five wins, yeah, I think it's ridiculous to go to a bowl game of five wins, but we're talking about the system and how it would benefit Rutgers, and the way this season has gone, you want them to play well against Indiana, even if they lose. Michigan State, you'd hope they played well. It's at home. Um, it reminds me, and Sam, you were probably about six or seven years old at this time. It reminds me when Shiana was there in the early 2000s, before they went to a bowl game. Hey, um, I was at Rachel Carson Middle School then. I wasn't six. All right, so you were nine. Anyway. Twelve. So, I remember one year they played, they went like 5-7, and seven and they beat Syracuse at home on a really windy day, ridiculously windy, and it was kind of an upset, and I remember at that point it was like, okay, no longer is it about just the rebuild, there now became realistic expectations, and the expectation and talk of it transitioned from the Terry Shea mess into Shiano's team. And next season, I think for the first time, you can sit there and say, okay, well, wait a minute. Yes, this happened. It's, it's Ash's team. It's most of his guys there. You'll still have some holdovers, but you've had a chance to get some out. You've had a chance to recruit your own guys. You still need to come up with a quarterback. I'll give him a little bit of a pass on the quarterback um, with Lewis being injured most of the season. You didn't get a chance to develop him. They should have a couple coming in. But to me, it now becomes, instead of your cleaning up floods mess, big mess, and it now becomes Ash's program. I think that next year, when you talk about 2018, when you look at the schedule Rutgers has, when you look at the players Rutgers is expected to have back or could have back, 
that this time when people say eight and four, I mean, you might cock your head at them a little bit, but you're not going to laugh at them. I mean, uh, I might. All right, part three of the news here, Brian. It is your favorite topic because I know how much Christmas, Thanksgiving, Chris something, Chris Carlin. <laughs> I know how much you love six sixty AM. Is that is that the right thing? Is that FAN's thing? Twenty one point nine. Yeah, but they're on AM also, right? I don't know. Did you know. really listen to AM radio? I don't listen to Other New York than radio. You listen to I don't, well, here's stuff. the point. I don't listen to New York radio, but I might now. What if there's a Star Wars channel? I mean, unless I'm on it, like I know more than whatever clowns are talking about it, probably. So I guess first off, congratulations to Rutgers Scoutcast alum Chris Carlin for the new gig. Pretty exciting. Uh, for speaking as someone that only listens to New York sports radio for the ironic Francesa reasons, I actually now have a reason to where I might actually listen to sports radio again. It's pretty exciting. Really happy for the guy. It's great for Rutgers, and I think that. It's probably a situation at FAN that they're pretty excited about. It's interesting, and it goes back to, you know, when Shiano came aboard and he wanted a different kind of influence and, and person calling games. And that's how Chris, who was working at FAN, wound up right. being the broadcaster. Placing Bruce Johnson. And you look at their basketball announcer. Jerry Recco, right? Correct. Who is on FAN and prominent, and... and so it gives you that New York presence, and, and yeah, people talk and they laugh about Rutgers sometimes, and that's cool, but at least you got you have people there who have some knowledge. You know, you have a morning guy and you have an afternoon guy who have knowledge. Now, for those that don't know Chris, um, he's a good dude, and there's I don't usually throw those things around lightly, and I'll give you just one example. A lot of people on the site will remember years back, my sister has MS and I ran a marathon to raise money for MS. And Sam was nice enough to donate. Um, Not as much as Chris Carlin did. <laughs> correct. And the first year I ran it, or was going to run it, was when Superstorm Sandy came about. And they canceled it, and so they gave the idea of, okay, you can run it the following year, and instead of raising this amount, you have to raise less amount. Still a, a, a significant amount. And, like I said, many people on Scarlet Report donated. I could not have done, I could not have reached the goal without Scarlet Report. But Chris Carlin donated twice. And many people did, and I appreciate that. But Chris never said it, you know, just as like, and, and I'd see him at practice when practice was open, and he'd be like, hey, when are you running your next marathon? Just let me know, and I'll send you some more money for it. And, well, he wasn't going to run in it, I'll tell you Well, that. no, and, and that was the big joke, but, but that's who he is, right? That's who he is. And uh, just nice and and a good guy. And I think that's the best way you put it, a good guy. And when I go down to high school games in Philly, I would listen to him on drive time. And it was fun. And, and listening to him talk Eagles was different, but he knows his stuff. And one thing I know is he's got opinions, and he knows how to convey those opinions. Whether you agree or disagree really doesn't matter. But I think the best thing, other than being a good guy, is he's a guy that takes himself seriously but doesn't take himself seriously. Yes. If you disagree with him, he's cool with that. I mean, I suggest, follow his Twitter because it, it can be hysterical sometimes just on how people rip him and he'll just go along with it and doesn't care. And so I'm, I'm happy for Chris. I think it's a great thing. And, and for Rutgers, it's great to have 
I mean, think about it. The the most powerful station probably in New York. Probably um, the most powerful local station in the country. Yeah, I, I mean, that guy sitting in one of the most important chairs broadcast Rutgers football and another guy sitting in an important chair in the morning broadcast Rutgers basketball and I think that's important yeah and this one actually cares about Rutgers um, <laughs> I, I think I go back to it was during it might have been in July when Boomerang Carton had and that is where you know Jerry Recco is involved with that show but Boomerang Carton were the hosts and they had Chris Ash on uh, the show and it was something like uh they had no idea who they, he was. They had no idea who he was. They had no idea why he was coming on. It was, Coach, so uh, we hear you have an announcement. He didn't have an announcement. Right. He was coming on to promote the Yankee Stadium game that had been done for two years. And that's the kind of stuff that isn't going to happen anymore. Because Chris Carlin actually knows a thing or two. But he actually knows who Chris Ash is. They might have even met before. I'm not sure. But it's that kind of stuff that's going to help Rutgers. The other thing with Chris is, if you think that... You know, Francesa handling callers or co-hosts and all that stuff is. Uh, if you think that Francesa was good with that stuff, wait until you see Carlin dismiss people or deal with the lunatic uh, fringe. Or I mean, heck, he's been doing games with Ray Lucas for ten years. I think he knows how to deal with <laughs> lunatics. <laughs> and he's got Fooch on the sideline. <laughs> yeah, there you have it. And welcome into the Rutgers Scoutcast Mailbag. We got a ton of questions this week, and I guess that's just part of more people coming to the show and finding us through scarletreport.com or through Twitter and the internets, uh, you know, having good guests did on. Did you say internets? I did. Yeah, of course. That's what it is. I like you know. I like Richard Rollins' interwebs. interwebs. I like interwebs. Can we do interwebs? Series of tubes, whatever you want to call it. No, I like interwebs. Okay. Well, through the interwebs. you know. Richard Rawlings. So through the interwebs, we've got some questions this week. And the on-topic question that I chose, and there were a lot of choices this week, was a little bit weird, so I liked it. Uh, Brian, the question was, if you're building a college football team from scratch, which Rutgers player would you use to start your franchise? Well, that's vague. Because, that's why I like it. Well, yeah, but it's it's here's the issue with that. The issue is... I love that you're just going to rip the question. Well, no, but, but but the issue is this. <laughs> Do I get him as a true freshman, or is it somebody who has been in the program and established and now is maybe going to be a senior who comes back because he got hurt for a year? So so what am I – I'm building it, but All right, at I'll, what I'll, point I'll am I – where's my starting point? All right, let's say you get them as a freshman and it's anyone in Rutgers history. It doesn't have to be someone on the team right now. No, I'm going Paul Robeson. Okay. I mean, why? why? Because he sounds like an awesome dude who was a great leader, who I would imagine knew how to stand up and lead a team. Athletically, he was tremendous. Um, smart guy. We all know that. And so, yeah, that would be my guy. I, that's not even a thought for me. I considered, because I had obviously knew what this question was go, in advance. Go, go Google it so you can find out I who can, Paul is. I, believe me, I stare at his plaque every day where there's a typo. And uh, because we're not allowed into practice anymore, so I read it every day. What's I, that typo? I, it says uh, he helped lead Rutgers to uh, whatever it was, 30, 10, and 2 record, but the word record's not there. So it's a 32 and 10, and then they go on to the next sentence. 
I considered Paul Robeson. I considered Mohamed Sanu because of his versatility and also another character guy. I considered Ray Rice, but then I don't really want to deal with him off the field. So you're going to love this one. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Me being the terrible football franchise owner that I am, I chose Ray Lucas. Because what has Rutgers never had? A quarterback. Imagine if you have that kind of quarterback. Wait. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. That I kind got of quarterback, on, and then you surround him with good players. Uh, that, that's my choice. And it would be hilarious, and I'd love to put him in front of the cameras okay. every day. So here's the best part for those that don't know, and you probably don't know this. When Ray Lucas was at Rutgers, so was a Miami transfer named yes, Brian sir. Forte. And I was a cub reporter down in Trenton. And the person who covered Rutgers for us was somebody named Dana Kilmer. Now, people may know Dana from a different name, Dana O'Neill, who was at ESPN for a long time, wrote a book about Villanova's national championship, and, you know, is now with The Athletic. And I remember talking to Dana one day, sitting in the office, and they were going through this quarterback thing. And I was like, wait, is Rutgers finally going to make a bowl game? Are they gonna... This is like way back when, right? Yeah. Early 90s. Is Rutgers finally going to make a bowl game? Can Forte sling it? And I'll never forget, she goes, well, actually, the guy who looks better at practice is Ray Lucas. I'm like, what? She goes, yeah, yeah, Lucas should be the guy playing, but they're going to play this other guy. And, I, and it always stuck in my mind, and I can only, as we talk about this, could you imagine the great message board debate? Oh, yeah. Forte versus Lucas. Going off topic this week, <laughs> Brian. I, there weren't a lot of choices off topic this week, but here's the one that came, and it was uh, in honor of Matt Millen calling the Rutgers game, which sports announcer drives you the most insane? Oh, man. Are we sure we have unlimited resource on this what sports announcer drives me the sports announcer i don't have anyone in particular because i just tune them out i have two kids so i know how to tune things out i know my wife will never listen to this so she would attest to me being able to tune things out you know for all the times that well you understand anyway i don't have anybody that that drives me insane what 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 drives me crazy in watching games are people that just talk for the sake of talking just shut up let the play and give me don't tell me oh he was wide open he should have caught that and then go on about that can you give me something about the route can you give me something about you know how the guy pulled or, or why he's getting don't tell me he's getting blown up tell me he's getting blown up because his pad level's awful that's what i want to know that's the stuff that drives me crazy people that just say things to make it sound like they know what they're talking about when they don't know what they're talking about the, the ones that kill me, I mean, there's a lot of them. Matt Millen was a good example last I like week. Matt Millen, actually. Oh, see, I just tuned him out. See, I like him. I, oh, you're going to get some feedback. Well, no, look, him. that's cool. I mean, look, he was redundant with some things, but, you know, there's a there's a big topic on the Penn State site about how he said Jasicki wasn't a good blocker. That's cool. I mean, you know, he, he, he doesn't hold back, and so I give him credit for having his opinion. The ones that kill me are when you have the uh, the rules expert that you bring in that doesn't know the rules. So you just it, described 99% of them. <laughs> exactly. So you bring in the rules expert to debate a play where there's no debate and it's obvious what happened, or you bring them in and they're wrong and you just waste five minutes of our time where you could have just gone to, I don't know, a pre-taped interview or analyze something from the game or talk to your sideline reporter, but instead we have to talk about if this was targeting or not with someone that doesn't know what targeting is. Well, along those lines, I always enjoy the ones where 
the guy will be watching a replay, or he'll watch it, he'll see the replay. Oh, how can they miss that call? That, that ball hit the ground. And then they'll show it from two other angles, and I'll be like, oh, maybe it didn't. Well, I mean, how about then you just wait? Everybody wants to make the determination before they have the facts. Um, it's like reporting stories before you have all sides or all the facts. Or you exhaust the options to get all sides and all facts. So just shut up and wait and look for the better angle. And then you can just make, you know, instead of, oh, how can that be a catch? Oh, maybe it was a catch. Moron. Well, Rutgers ScoutCast 84 is officially in the books. You know that itch you're feeling right now, that that little that, that scratch at, at your phone, you know, reaching for your for your Twitter app. Well, in about a month, I can encourage you to tweet at Artur Sikowski and thank him for joining us on the show today. But until he signs, I'm not going to encourage anyone to tweet at recruits because it's against the rules, despite the NCAA's inability to enforce it in any way. So I'll just uh, issue my thank you here to Artur Sikowski for joining us on the show this week. Like I said, that kid is super busy. Not only is he dealing with schoolwork and what it takes to be a high school senior, preparing for college, preparing early for college. Keep in mind that he's not your average 17, 18-year-old because in about six weeks, he's starting college. National Signing Day is four weeks away where he plans to write his name on a Rutgers National Letter of Intent. And once he signs that, it's about two or three weeks until he is enrolled as a college student. And then we're talking about spring practice and the start of what's going to be an exciting career at Rutgers, I think. So thanks to Art for joining the show. I'm willing to bet that the next time you hear from him in this capacity, it will be as a Scarlet Knight. Uh, I'm sure that we'll talk to him, do some articles based on his official visit that is coming up and based on his signing day, uh, probably, you know, he'll send in his letter about December 20th. But the next time you're going to hear him multimedia-wise is going to be hopefully in January if Rutgers decides to introduce its early enrollees in person. We'll see how it goes. I hope everyone liked the basketball talk. We're going to keep that up as the season goes. If we do have an episode next week, I'm thinking that it will be focused on basketball, at least interview-wise. I have a couple things I'm trying to line up right now. And, of course, the big Michigan State game, Fox, 4 p.m. on Saturday. Even if Rutgers loses to Indiana, it's still a big game. It's still three hours to talk about how Rutgers and Coach Chris Ash are turning this thing around. Think about think about the marketing opportunities. Even if you go into the game 4-7, and seven, they went into their last game last year two and nine and gotten smoked by a bunch of teams. So it's good marketing. Three Big Ten wins is a big deal, and we'll see how it goes the next couple weeks. And until then, I am the host of the Rutgers Scoutcast, Sam Hellman. Thanks for listening.